How are we doing? Good, good. If you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to be, Romans chapter 12. Um, as, as you're turning there, we'll, we'll get started here shortly, but um, uh, I hope you've had a good morning. Uh, as for me, I've had one of probably the most scariest mornings I've ever had in my entire life. Um, and you guys laugh because you think it's funny, but you're hard to blame. Um, what I mean by that is this. Um, I don't know, I just, I just feel like uh, when Ashley, our, our children's director, came to me and just started to share and talk a little bit about our fourth and fifth graders, um, as they're kind of uh, getting older and growing, they're, they're not still like the real little kids, they're kind of, y'all are not little kids, y'all are like kid kids, right? Yeah. And so, um, so she comes to me and we begin to pray and talk about, I mean, what can we do for them? And then we have two leaders that emerge from that and... Um, uh, are excited to be able to just kind of just devote their life, devote their heart and their ministry to these fourth and fifth uh, grade kids. Um, and so Sunday mornings, discipleship development, they're pouring into, they're loving. As you see, I mean, they, they have been in the service now for months and doing great. I mean, they got, they got notebooks. Who's got notebooks? Will you teach them the, all the rest of them? Um, but no, uh, and so I mean, I mean they're, they're taking notes, they're writing down words that I say, um, things like that. And, and so they had this great idea, uh, an Ask Preacher Scott morning for the fifth and fourth and fifth graders. See, I'm already tongue-tied, I can't even get, anyways. So, so I, I want you to know, like, this, this is what's happening in, in that room with these, these fourth and fifth graders as their minds and hearts are being shaped and formed. Um, so, so these are the questions that, that, that I tried to dive into this morning with them. Why do bad things happen to good people? Mm, that's pretty deep. Um, it just gets deeper from there, so put on the boots, man. Um, what happens to people when they go to hell? What happens to the dead when Jesus comes back? What does heaven look like? What happens to the earth when Jesus comes back? So these are the type of questions that they're asking. This is where their little minds and their little hearts are, are wondering and running. And, and, and what really scares me is the questions that come from that. Because there was a ton so we'll have Sunday morning with Preacher Scott again in six years. Um, but no, no, it was fun. It was neat just to sit down with you guys and be able to kind of just talk a little bit and reference scripture and look at some of those, those difficult scriptures and try to figure out. And, uh, and the thing that I love about it the most is this, is when you spend time with kids, we kind of get crusty as we get older. I don't know why. It's just like that. I don't know. I think we're too dignified or whatever it is. But um, we get a little crusty. And so when you, when you get to spend time with kids and you get to hear these questions and you get to uh, man, just see the light in their eyes, this wonder and amazement by these things, and especially as you start to answer questions and more questions start to roll in their mind and you just see that light in them of, of this learning and growing and wanting to know more about God and, and know who he is and, and how he does and why he does. I mean, it, I mean it's just, it's refreshing. Like, like that was refreshing to be around and to have those kind of conversations with fourth and fifth graders. So, so I mean, I, 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 wanted, I said that to celebrate you guys and say thank you all. Continue to grow and learn. And hear me, there is no question that's too crazy or off limits. You hear me? None. And, and for the two of you to invest in them like you have, man, I, I greatly, greatly appreciate it. I mean, I mean that, that is, that's why we're here. And, and you guys have done a great job leading us in that. And I just want to say thank you for uh, that. And so, um, so I wanted to just start off that way and celebrate for a moment. If, if you, like I said, Bible's Romans 12. Um, and, and I just want to say this, man, what a week we've had, right? I mean, what a week for us as a church. And I say that to say this, man, just to keep you up to date, like the after-school ministry, we've had uh, two kids sign up to be a part of it this summer. 
We've had numerous calls and inquiries uh, uh, and people saying, hey, we'll go back to you. We want to be a part of this. I mean, so I am excited. We've, uh, even in conversation, I've heard conversation of people saying, hey, well, you know what? I'm actually looking for a church. I mean, this would be a great opportunity to come see. So, I mean, I'm excited to see what God's going to do through that ministry. And so, like I said, Austin said, I mean, see, see Ms. Hannah out in the lobby after service. She can answer more questions about that. Um, but, but what an opportunity this week even for us to do and be what we talked about last week. What we looked at last week in Romans 12, where we talked about loving genuine, what that looks like and means for our world. Where we talked about hating evil. Where we talked about showing brotherly love and rejoicing and being patient and praying and, and even contributing to the saints, being and helping out uh, those in need. Man, what a week for us as the church to be able to do that. To be able to put into practice those things that God has set before us in this world to do. I mean, for such a time as this, how fitting, how fitting is that that God would, uh, in his sovereignty, be so good to, to align a week for us as believers to be believers and to be the church that God has called us to be. Allow us to be able to do what he has called us to do, what he has outlined for us in the scriptures. And if you're wondering what I'm talking about, I'm just, just going to give you a few real fast. Just, just three things that I'm just come to mind right off the bat. Uh, three things. I don't know if you were aware of a prayer this week, but it was ended by an ordained uh, Methodist minister who's a congressman. And, and in his prayer, he, he says this. It's an all-inclusive cry to a God followed by an amen and an A woman. There are kids in here this morning, so I'm going to try to be very, very careful with my words. Okay, I can't find any. What a time as this for us to be the church. So, so what I will say, and hear me, we're all about mercy and grace. But if you look in the scriptures, Jesus had the least patient with who? The religious who claimed to be something and didn't do what they claimed to be. So I'm just going to leave it at that for this gentleman. And I'm going to pray that God would save him because the only rational explanation is that he doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so that should break our heart all the more. Because amen and a woman is just the most ludicrous, crazy. That's not even a gender word at the end of a prayer. And I guess what breaks my heart more is, is that he is so ignorant to think that it is. Or he's been pressured so much and he's submitted to the pressure to give in to do something that has nothing to do with what he's even doing. So what a time is this? And, and so I say that to say this, man, there's been a ton of good conversations that I've got to have as a result of that. And I hope the same thing has happened for you because such a time as this, we were created, made for this church. I mean, to stand up and to answer those difficult questions, to, to, to give insight the next thing that, that comes to mind is um, the state capital being overrun by people. And hear me, there's no political rant that's going to happen here, that ha happen here in this place this morning. You've got to get past the political stuff. There's something much, much darker going on than political things. I mean, that's just smoke and mirrors. I mean, there, there is evil at play here that goes far beyond political jargon and junk. I mean, there is a realm of, of spiritual warfare that's at, at battle here. And church, we were created for a time as this. I mean, we have the answer to that. And so what it's done in my house, what it's done for me, uh, my five-year-old, he really don't, people aren't crazy, whatever. But my eight-year-old, soon to be nine, I have had amazing conversation this week. 
we watched a little bit of the news and we got to see that running rampant and people being crazy and acting, acting a fool. Because that's nice, clean words that I can use here this morning. And in that, the conversation that I got to have with my, with my eight, soon-to-be nine-year-old centered around the gospel. Whether you agree or disagree with something, whether you get your way or you don't get your way, there's a way as followers of Jesus that we act. And so what that does... I'm assuming is it just identifies people where they're at. So what we saw this week is lost people probably acting like lost people. And so I got to have an amazing conversation with my boy. Saying, son, when you don't get your way, you don't act that way. You don't scream, you don't yell, you don't throw a fit, you don't go steal something, you don't kick in windows, you don't... As a follower of Jesus, which he claims to be, Man, I got to have great conversations centered around the gospel of Jesus Christ and how we act and react to certain things. Man, such a time as this church. And you probably got to have some of those conversations at work, maybe at the store, maybe in your neighborhood with friends. And, and then the last thing, just again, real, real quick stuff here, is it, COVID, COVID deaths. So Thursday, when I looked this up, this is where we're at as the United States. 370,071 deaths in a year so far because of COVID. In the world, 1,894,534 deaths from a result of COVID. Whether those numbers are right or not, I don't know. Now, I want you to hear where I'm going to go with this for a moment. Because again, this is not a conspiracy. I, I, I care less about that stuff. What I care about is that these are real numbers of real people, of real soul bearers. And statistically speaking, statistics would say that, that 80% of the world's lost. So what that means for us in the United States of America is that 296 and 57 people died and went to hell this last year. As a result of, a, of this pandemic, what that means for us worldwide is 1,515,627 people stepped over that cusp into eternity, split hell wide open, separated from the God of love, the God of the universe for all eternity. Church, we were created for a time as this because we've got the answers, we've got the hope, we've got the no. And then we were made for this. Jesus saved us and rescued us for this day. And we can storm the gates with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we've got the answer, answer to rescue, to redeem, and it's the gospel of Jesus. That's what those numbers mean. That's what we're created for. We've got to get past all the craziness of this world and look deeper into things that really matter, the spiritual realm of things. And that's what we had the opportunity to do this week. And just judging by the course of history, judging by the trajectory that we're on in this world, I can't wait to see what this coming week brings for us. As a follower of Jesus Christ, created for such a time as this, man, we've got opportunity. Oh, we have got opportunity. There is a world that is hungry for something. And it will be fed. And the question is, what is it feasting upon because church, we have the responsibility and privilege and to feed, to expose, to make known. So my hope is from saying some of this stuff is you just kind of feel that weight. Feel that weight. And we've been conditioned, created for such a time as this. We have that hope, that ever-present hope. Because hear me, it's not a vaccine that's going to save. It's not a protest that's going to save. 
It's not a new president or an old president. None of that stuff or anything else that this world can think of is going to fix anything. The only hope that we have is Jesus. We just sang about it. That's it. Uh, not new leadership, not new uh, medicines, not new thoughts. There, there's one thought, and it's the thought of the gospel. That's what saves and rescues, and that's what we have the privilege in such a time of this as to give. And so I know that today is going to be very difficult as we walk through uh, the rest of Romans chapter 12 here. And so I just want to ask you if you join me as we pray, and then we'll jump into to what God, God has for us. Father, we need you. Father, uh, God, just some staggering reality from this past week, God, from life lost to craziness that's running rampant. And so, Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, this morning that you would, God, save the lost in this room, save the lost watching online. Father, that you would reveal to hearts their great need for you if they're not, if they don't have you as their Lord and Savior, God, that you would, that you would draw lost man to you. And so, Father, I pray for those in this room this morning that, that needs the courage to stand up and say, the courage to live it out. Father, I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit and give. God, I pray that you just shape us and mold us all the more this morning into the image of your Son. Jesus, we need you. We need you. Difficult, difficult words we're going to hear this morning from your word. And we need you to help us walk out in obedience what you've called us to be and do. Father, thank you so much for the promise of the Holy Spirit to be with us, to be in us to draw us to your side all the more. Father, we need you this morning. And we pray. Amen. So, so Romans 12 is where we're going to be. You've got Paul who pins this letter to the church at Rome, to the believers there at Rome. And verses 4 through 8 of chapter 12 there, he uh, talks about the use of spiritual gifts. And then he's going to turn his focus to, to what we do with those gifts, how they're to live those out, how they're to, to walk in those. And so we looked at a few of those last week, as I mentioned. Um, and this week we're going to kind of finish up that. And so uh, the list from last week and today, it may sound kind of cute. It may sound kind of nice for the people on that day. But we need to understand something. It's for us today as well. And, and so I just want to give you some credentials of the man writing this. Because if you think that we have a hard time in 2021, uh, listen to him. Paul, he writes this uh, as a man that was robbed, beaten, and imprisoned. And he's eventually murdered by Rome. He's eventually murdered by Rome. And before they get to him to take his life, he gives us this letter of what we're to be doing. And so this is an apostolic command. This is an apostolic command. Not suggestions, not well, if you can get around to it. This is as followers of Jesus from the, one of the apostles of Christ gives us these words for us to obey and follow and do. So I've got two points for us this morning. The first one is this. Do for others the very things that God has done for you. Do for others the very thing that God has done for you. So right at the very beginning here, I want to just give us a heads up, kind of just hit us here in the, at the very beginning, remind us of where we've been and to try to get us out of the way this morning so that we can hear from God. And so you, me, everyone in this room, everyone tuning in online, we have all fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us in this room this morning. We have all fallen short. We have all rebelled against God. We've made false accusations against the King of kings and Lord of lords. You ever told a lie? Have you ever lusted? Have you ever coveted? Have you ever been enraged? All of that is just false accusations against God. It's you saying that you know best. In that moment, in that time, that you know what's best for you, you know what's best for that situation, and that God doesn't. That God's missed it. That's what that is. And so what is God's response to us in those moments? What does God do to us when we act or we live that way that's contrary to his nature and his character? Well, what we see is this, is that he pursues. Is that he comes after. 
That's what God does. Us as enemies, he shows us love and he mercy and he saves us and he rescues us even in our sin. God has been kind to us and our heart needs to be the same. That needs to be our heart. We need to do in such a time as this what God did for us. The same thing. So Romans 12, 17, it'll be on the screen if you don't have your scriptures. Romans 12, 17, it says this. It says, repay no evil for evil. So first and foremost, don't do evil. Just don't even, don't even participate in it. Don't even have anything to do with it. Avoid it at all costs. Don't live that way. Do no evil. But it's never, ever, hear me church, it's never, ever, ever the will of God that when a person inflicts evil upon us, that we inflict it back. That is never, ever, ever the will of God. I don't care how horrific they've treated you. I don't care what they've said about you. I don't care what they have done to you. It's never, ever God's will for us to retaliate. That's not what he's created in us. That's not what he's done to us. That's not what he's modeled for us. And it's not what we're to do. Repay no evil for evil. Whether it's actions or words, whatever it may be. I've been around people who live by the motto like, like this. And maybe you have too. I don't get mad. I get even. Mm. And that sounds kind of good and kind of cool. Okay, yeah, I get it. I'll wait and I'll kind of just hang out over here until that perfect opportunity arises. And when that perfect opportunity arises, and then I'll attack. But that's anti-gospel. That's anti-scripture. That's anti-what Paul says. That's anti for what we've created for such a time as this. He, he says, repay no evil for evil. But look at what he teaches next. Look at where he goes next as he takes it a step further. He says, but give thought. So don't do this, but do this. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. That's what, don't, don't repay evil, but, but give thought. Think about. See, some translations say, be careful. In the original language here, the word for be careful is give thought. It, it means to think about something ahead of time with the implications that one can then respond appropriately. So when someone does something evil to you, probably the best thing that we can do is step away for a moment. Give thought. Allow the Holy Spirit to work. Allow the Holy Spirit to do in our lives. Why? So we can do what is honorable in the sight of all. So that we can live in such a way. It's not to get even, but let God, let God do what he needs to do. Not to repay evil for evil, but allow God to, to work in us in that moment, to condition us, to respond in a way that would bring Him honor and glory. That's what we should do. Step away for a moment. Pray for a moment. Do something in that regard. He goes on in verse 18, he says this, he says, if possible. And so I, I know and I'm aware that there will be certain circumstances or certain situations that will not allow for certain things to happen. But look at what Paul says there. He says, if possible. So I'm saying that sometimes it may not be possible to do what he says here or what he's about to say. But, but look at how he leaves it for us as believers, us as followers of Jesus. Says, if possible, so far as it depends upon you. As it depends upon who? You. Who's the you here? See, he's talking to the believers in Rome. That's who Paul's talking to. He's talking to the followers of Jesus there in Rome. For those who have been living sacrifices, as he says in Romans 12, 1 and 2. He urges them to be living sacrifices, dead to self. That's who he's talking to, the redeemed, the born-again followers of Jesus. And so when he says this, it falls on those believers who've come to faith in Jesus Christ, who've followed after him, who've experienced the goodness and faithfulness of God. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, he says to do what? Live peaceable with who? All. 
live peaceable with all. As it, as it depends upon us, followers of Jesus, born again, redeemed men and women of God, to follow his example of living peaceable with all. And so you may not be able to do that in a family or a small group or a church or a city or a job within the limits of truth and within the limits of what's honorable. You may not be able to make peace, but that's what the gospel does. That's what we're called to do. We're called to step away from that moment. We're called to, to, to look at that and to, to live, to be peacemakers is what it says in Matthew. The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells them to be, to be peacemakers. So, so we step in and we, that doesn't mean we, we shy away from the truth. That doesn't mean that we don't have a response. That doesn't mean that we don't, we don't do anything. No, no, no. We, we bring peace because of the one who lives in us. And so we respond the way that the one who lives in us. And if it possible at all is it's on our side. We're to live peaceable with all. We always stand on the truth of God. And we walk in that way. He goes on in verse 19. He says this. He says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine and I will repay it, says the Lord. So what this text says here is it makes this promise that, that God himself will repay all the wrongs in perfect measure. We, we don't have to get even. We, we don't have to stand up and bow out our chest. We don't have to start swinging. We've got a heavenly father who's going to do that one day. And what it should do in us is it should break our heart, the fact that we, it even has to happen like that. I mean, our heart should be for the lost. Our heart should be for the gospel being made known. His justice is going to prevail. No wrong has ever escaped his notice. He is well aware of the current situations of every moment, every second of every day. He is there. He knows. He sees evil far better than we do. And he's actually got a system that he runs it through that's, that's much better than ours. And so he's going to make known his righteousness at the right time, in the right moment. He'll do it at the appointed time when it's supposed to happen. Leave room for God to work. Leave God room for God to, to do. Verse 20 says this. He says, to the contrary. So what he's saying is this, this is going to seem a little off. This is going to seem a little crazy. But, but, but follow me for a moment. He says, in, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Okay, that kind of changes everything, doesn't it? I, I mean, he's just elevated this to something that, that's, okay, now I've got a problem. Okay, I get not being mean. I get not being evil. I get not repaying. I get, okay, I'm, I'm good with that. But what Paul says is to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, I don't want to be around my enemy. I don't want anything to do with my enemy. I want to be away from my enemy. But Paul says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, if your enemy is hungry, what do you do to him? Feed him. Give him something to eat. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. That's what he says. Why? Because that's what Jesus did for us, is it not? When we were enemies of God, what does he do? He pursues. He comes after. That's the love of our God. Remember, all this runs together from last week, this week, to love genuinely. And so when we do that, the hope is that we can have conversation. The hope is that, that we can, we can uh, make a way to get in there to be able to talk to, to share with. This is mo us moving toward. This is us being active. And as crazy as it sounds, let's, let's just talk for a second because I know this, this, this sounds anti-everything in us. Because everything in us is to fight. Everything in us is to have nothing to do with. That's just the, the inclination in us. But have you ever heard of Saul of Tarsus? You know that guy? In the scriptures, who becomes the Apostle Paul? Like, like, do you know his story? On the Damascus Road with papers in hand, going after believers. 
That he has been given a certificate to do whatever he needs to do. To arrest. I mean, mean, he just finished uh, watching Stephen getting stoned at his approval. I mean, so we see the first martyr, the martyred Christian. He was there and present. And so now he's on the Damascus Road to go after believers. And what happens on that road? God knocks him off of his horse, don't he? God shows up and radically saves Saul of Tarsus, who we know becomes Apostle Paul. And so as he does that, he continues on, and as he, he continues on, he gets there, and um, after God has knocked him off of his horse and changed his heart because of the gospel, God comes to Ananias. And what does God say to Ananias? Ananias, Saul of Tarsus is coming. I need you to take care of him. I need you to help heal him. And, and what I love about the scriptures is how real they are to us. Like, it doesn't water it down. It's like, okay, great. Like, and I didn't put on his super Christian shirt and like, okay, Lord, let's do this. No, no, no. He's like, okay, God, um, Saul of Tarsus. Um, God, God, the Saul of Tarsus. Like, like, the one that's killing us. The one that has the right to come and get us and take us away. God, I just want to make sure you, like, in your Rolodex somewhere or maybe in your computer, like, like, can you just double check that for me? And God says, no, no, it, it's all Tarsus. I, I want you to take care of him. I want, I want you to get him. I want you to help him be healed. Why? Because he will be the voice to the Gentiles and I will show him how much he must suffer for, the, for my name's sake. So what happened? He moves toward with compassion, with grace, with kindness. Why? Because the end game for us church is what? Sharing the gospel. Earning the ear of someone. Well, they'll just take advantage of me. Yes, they will. I know they will. The world has always taken advantage of believers. Has always taken advantage of who seems to be the lonely, meek, and mild. It is always taken, and they're going to continue to do that. But our hope is that in that we can win one. Our hope is that in that, someone will come to know Jesus in a deeper way as a result of it. So you're going to get kicked? Are you going to get beat up? Are you going to get abused and used? Absolutely. But it's in that that God uses. Feed your enemy. They're hungry, feed them. They're thirsty, give them something to drink. Because in that, God will work and do. Because what they're expecting is what Paul's already talked about. They're expecting retaliation. That's what they're expecting. And when we kill them with kindness and the love of Jesus, the Holy Spirit can work in a mighty, mighty way. When the glove comes down, the Holy Spirit can move in. The second point I have is, as we start to wind down here in verse 21, it says, it's just do good, do good. The second thing that I would encourage us in such a time as this is for us just to do good. Look at what he says in verse 20. He says, do not become, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil how? With good. Church, if we would just do good. And so the more we see and sense evil around us, the more we should look for opportunities to do good. That's why I said last week was a great week for the church. Horrific week for the world. Horrendous week for the world. A great week and opportunity for us as believers of, of Jesus, followers of Christ. To share and show the love of Jesus. To engage in conversation. To be able to sprinkle some truth here. To be able to pray for an opportunity there. To be able to share a little bit here. Man, what an opportunity for us to do good last week. Man, if we would just look for opportunities to do things opposite of the world. We overcome evil. How? By doing good. We overcome evil by doing good. And so this command might seem impossible, it might seem crazy, it might seem far-fetched. As everything that we've looked at so far in these last few, few weeks, 
And I know that feeling that's just deep down in us. I know that fight that is deep down in us. This won't work. It doesn't work. It'll never work. It just can't happen. Scott, it won't go that way. But church, hear me, that's the only thing that does. It's the only thing that does. I mean, have you read the scriptures? In the Old Testament, remember Egypt? Remember the children of Israel was in captivity in Egypt? When did they pick up the first weapon and fight? No, no, no. God just stepped in and moved. And whatever happened to that great nation of Egypt? Is it a player in today's world? No. It's not even thought of anymore. What about the Assyrians? Man, Assyria, you didn't want to mess with Assyria. This big powerhouse nation at the time. What about the Greeks? What about the people we're looking at right now? The Romans. I mean, Rome was, was one of the, the, the mega, mega places of the world. Leaders of the world, the known world. There's still roads that the Romans created that they use. I mean, I mean, Rome had it going on. Where are they now? Where are they now? How did the Christians pick up and fight? They didn't. What, they, they showed love. They endured. They prayed. They, they seek God. They did what he would ask them to do. They left room for vengeance, as mine says the Lord. They allowed God to, to work and do. So my question, church, is who makes it through all this? Who survives through all of this? We do. The church. Even if we're used and abused. Even if we're taken advantage of. Well, because we continue to pray, we continue to press in, and in that we grow closer to the Lord. In that he does a work in us. We counter by doing things differently than the world does. We counter by doing things opposite. And in doing that, what happens? They're overthrown. This is all that has ever worked. Why? Because God has it. Because it allows God to work and move and do. See, the church is something that predates the greatest of world powers, and it always will. Matthew 16, 18 says this. It says, and I tell you, you are Peter. Remember this conversation Jesus has with his disciples? What is the world, who does the world say that I am? And they answer and kind of give him what they're saying. He's, but then he turns on him and says, but who do you say? And Jesus says, you're the Christ. And he says, yes, Peter, yes. And upon this rock I'll build my church. Not upon Peter. He's not building his church upon Peter. He's building his church upon the confession that Peter makes, that you are the Christ. That you are the living son of God. That's who God is going to build his church upon. That, that confession of who Jesus Christ is. And listen to what he says at the very end of it. He says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Church, world can't touch us. The, the world can't do a thing to it. They can't steal our joy. They can't steal our salvation. I mean, they can burn our buildings down. They can lock us up. They can try to silence us. But what do we know from history when they do that? We just, we just explode all the more. I mean, I mean, try to shut us up and see what happens. You can't stop the gospel. There's not a big enough nation, a big enough government, a big enough whatever out there to stop it. Why? Because whenever God is on the move and God is doing something, there is nothing that can squash it or silence it. And that's what he tells us there as followers of Christ. If we were just do good, do good is following after Jesus and doing what Jesus would do. It's living like Christ would live. It's being Jesus in this world, in every circumstance, in every situation, in every place that you go. So as Franklin comes back up here to lead us in this time of response. Church, we were created for a time as this. I mean, I mean, we were created and made for such a time as this. 
So as the world gets darker and darker and darker, our opportunities to shine brighter and brighter and brighter will be more present. And the thing about shining brighter and brighter and brighter is simply this. Is that we don't have to do crazy stuff to do that. Like, like what we say, if we just love and our love be genuine, if our words just be true and we do what we say, if we show brotherly love, if we don't try to get even for every little thing that's done to us, if, if we do these, just these little things, and we just, we just be nice and do, do things that would represent Jesus, like this, be friendly and kind. Maybe leave a good tip for your waitress, but you don't know how sorry she was. And like we've never been sorry anything that we've ever done. Who cares if it gives us an opportunity to have gospel conversation? Maybe drop off a meal to somebody. Maybe just don't scream at somebody whenever something doesn't go your way. Maybe another way you can do good is help out somewhere. Just don't be a jerk. Maybe if you hold the door for someone. Maybe if you just go over to your neighbor's, hey, can I just watch your kids so you and your husband can just go out and have a good, good date night? Oh, by the way, here's 50 bucks to do something with it. I mean, just little things like that. Or when you're out cutting grass this summer, if you just kind of ease on over to the next yard and just keep going. I mean, there are so many ways for us, church, to just do good in this world. And I feel like right now Satan thinks that he is just kicking our tail and he's just doing a great job. But the way that I see it, I don't know if you've ever played soft, uh, uh, softball. And the, the best kind of softball I like is that slow pitch softball because as that ball is just kind of lobbed there and you've got your bat, I mean, you can, you can load up and you can just let that sucker go. And I feel like that's what Satan's doing for us right now. We want to fight and we want to go at it. And, we want, and I'm not saying that we don't stand up for truth. I'm not saying that we don't speak out. I'm just saying the way that we do it needs to look vastly different than the way the world does it. So if we would just do good, can you imagine what God would do? And, and so, and there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of opportunities to, go, to do good in this world. And so I want to set us up this week even more. As if Satan won't or this world won't go ahead and set us up. I, I want to set us up this week in a way that's going to do even more. And this is how we're going to do it. I want to give you 50 bucks. Yeah. What I want to do is this. I've got envelopes out in the lobby, and I want to, I'm, I'm just going to ask that one per family, if you would take it, take that 50 bucks in that envelope, and there's a little card in there, and that little card says this. Such a time as this. And our hope as a follower of Jesus is that this small gesture of love makes your week a little bit better. I mean, how much cooler is that than you go somewhere this week and you pay for somebody's meal? Or you go get a $10 meal at lunch and you give them a $50 tip. And it's not even costing you. Just another opportunity for us. And when you do this, hey, by the way, can, can I just, I just want to give you, can I just pray for you for a moment? Anything I can pray for you about? Anything I can just do? Like, I want us to physically take this. You know what? I, I've never met you before. I'm sorry. I hope I'm not putting you on spot. I just want to say thank you for being here this morning. Go have lunch on me. I mean, what does that do in our world? You know what I'm saying? I mean, that, that's an easy one for us, church. I mean, how great this week would it be that we can have gospel conversation around it. So just, I want to encourage you as we put that out there. One family, take it and go do something. We don't want anything in return. We don't want you to bring it back. We want you to spend it this week. When was the last time somebody said, just go blow 50 bucks for the glory of God? That's what we're wanting you to do. Take it and spend it with the stipulation of this. Doing it for the glory of God. And doing everything you can in that to try to have some sort of a gospel conversation or some sort of a prayer or some sort of something. I mean, I just want you to blow somebody's mind if it's getting their gas, if it's getting their lunch, if it's just walking through Walmart and the sweet little lady in front of you, honey, I got this for you. There you go.
You go on, I got it. It just, I mean, man, church, what, what we could do as a result of that, the conversations that could come from it. And then what we're going to do is we'll set up a little room here in the next week or so where, where you can come if you want to and you can kind of give just a, a report of what God's done and hopefully we'll be able to celebrate here in a few weeks all the things that God's done as a result of that. And so we can hear and be encouraged as a church. But church, hear me, we were created for such a time as this. This is our day to shine. For us to be and do what Jesus Christ has lived out and shown us in the Word. And our hope is found in Him. And He has conditioned us for this moment. May we press in and understand all the more that He has for us. The opportunities before us. So may we do for others this week in our life the very thing that God has done for us. And may we go do good. May we go do good. There is no excuse for us this week, church. May we have set you up perfect. 50 bucks and an opportunity. Father, we pray that you would just move in a mighty way this morning in this place. Father, I just thank you for your love and your grace that you've shown us, that you've given us. Father, help us do good. Help us go live in a way that brings you glory and honor. And Father, I don't know what you've got planned this week with 50 bucks from, from us in this church as we go and we get to love on someone else with the hopes of gospel conversation. But Father, I pray that you, you open up doors for us. The men and women that are going to hear this morning, they're going to take those. Father, I pray that you do a mighty, mighty work this week in our community for the hurting, for those who seem to have no hope. God, may we bring a little bit of hope, a little bit of joy this week in their life. God, I can't tell you the times that I've been able to do something like this and in doing this is exactly what they needed in that moment. Father, as much as we have the opportunity to serve others, God, help us see your glory and your greatness in this gesture. We love you and in your name we pray. Amen.